This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Daniel Jewison, Alan Brousset, Eric Steele, Charles Alba, Marcello Poblete Alarcon, Darren Apple, Trevor Utvalugalit, Adam Connor, Joseph Stillwell, and Caleb Robert. Fine and faithful spoilerites all, and this one goes out to they. Or is it them? Well, it's too late to change now. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, guess who's back in town today? Them wild-eyed boys that had been away. They haven't changed that much. I still think them cats are crazy. They was reading that Power Man and Iron Fist, and the one without any hair still looks kind of pissed, so I'd expect a lot of no-sell. Zach's eating candy bracelets, and the fat one's hair is getting silver. Rodrigo's back and looking for... Something that rhymes with silver. But in any case, this show is going to be a winner because the boys are back in town and the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome to Issue 522 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Yay! Thank you for listening to this free podcast. Finn Lizzie! <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for uh, being a part of this. We uh, enjoy doing it every week for you. And this week is uh, no exception because we've got a lot to talk about. So why don't we get right into it with some news? Uh, this week we've got uh, Del Toro boards the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Matt Smith leaves Doctor Who. September will be Villains Month at DC Comics. And the first picks of the news Transformers arrive. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny. Let's find out where it lands. Which Del Toro is it? Not the one I hoped. Where does that land on? Oh, right there on Matt Smith leaving Doctor Who. So big news over oh. the weekend. It's been rumored for a while that uh, Matt Smith was going to be stepping out of his role as the Doctor in the uh, BBC series. And he confirmed it over the weekend in an official press release, both from him and the BBC, that he will be moving on at the end of, well, technically season seven is over. So there's only two yeah. episodes that he will be on. He'll be on the uh, 50th anniversary special, which airs November 23rd, which is over mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. And then uh, his last episode or the episode that he transforms will be uh, the Christmas, the holiday special. So we will get to see that? him there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. So a lot of people yeah, are uh, upset one way or the other. How do you, how do you feel? The freak. How do you feel there, Rodrigo? Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I like Matt Smith as the doctor. And I think that he's done a fine job, but it's always exciting to get a new doctor, see where things are going to go. Now, my question is, is are there any um, writer changes coming? No, Stephen Moffat is still the, uh, the runner. lead runner and the uh, lead writer on the on the show. Right. So he's not leaving. As long as and I'm sure Mark there will be a around, I'll be happy. I'm sure there will be a couple of Neil Gaiman episodes over the next couple of years. So. Right. My. Uh, take on this doctor is twofold. One, I really enjoy Matt Smith's performance, and two, I'm not crazy about the direction that Moffat took the show. Mm -hmm. So, if Moffat is staying, that's a point against. I mean, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with him. I just kind of liked uh, was it Davis a little <coughs> yeah, bit yeah, better. Davis. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. 
But Matt Smith did a fine job. I'm glad that he's probably going to move on and do something else. I mean, you know, being the doctor is kind of a double-edged sword in that you may never get cast as anything else ever again. But I guess there's always G.I. Joe villains. Well, he's got an (laughs) upcoming movie, uh, How to Catch a Monster, Mm -hmm. in which he's listed as Bully. Oh, well, there you go. Bully. Uh, Zach, you don't even watch any Doctor Who, so you don't even know what we're talking about, do you? Uh, I have watched a few episodes of Doctor Who, and most of them have been with Matt Smith. No, I actually watched Eccleston season. I watched the entirety of that. Okay, good. And then I've watched like three Matt Smith episodes, and I liked it. It was the first episode of Doctor Who I ever watched was the fifth season with the astronaut. Oh, the yeah, season yeah, yeah, opener. Yeah, the very yeah, 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 that was one. the first one I ever watched. It's like so that, season 31 or something. Yeah. Strangely, not the most confusing Doctor Who episode that you could have started on. No. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> even even in the new series, there's way weirder ones. Yeah. And the confusing stuff that you did get was generally explained. Matthew, what do you think of all this? Well, I got to tell you. Uh, as the senior Doctor Who uh, Jackwagon on the show, the fifth or sixth time they announce something like this, it kind of loses the fear. I mean, for me, when the show was canceled in 1989, that was kind of an, oh, wow, this is a moment to really freak out about. But for me, just a, a regeneration seems like a good thing. It seems like a positive thing. It's here's here's a chance to do something new and different. And Smith's Doctor has been, in terms of story mechanics and troublesome elements, and remember, story mechanics has been the least troublesome of the modern Doctors for me. When it comes to what actually happens and some of the characters in and around those stories and the tendency of both Davis and Moffat to have, you know, big giant villains show up, oh, no, there's no way we can beat him, to have the Doctor then go, I'm going to kill you somehow, and then an hour of uh, fighty, 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 and then clap for Tinkerbell at the end. I have, you know, I have my issues with some of the recurring themes, but I feel like a new incarnation probably couldn't have come at a better time. Because had they done big 50th anniversary and throw in the big John Hurt thing where they've got somebody really big name and they're dealing with a great big giant mystery for the first time in a couple of years, and then the next year this doctor is still around and then we kick him out the door. I think it would have been a little anticlimactic. I like the fact that this huge thing is brewing and that huge thing is going to end with a new doctor. Yeah, I, I guess for, like that. I guess for me, it's, um, I don't know. I'd like to see him stick around a little bit longer than the, uh, three years that he's been on the show. He's done four, um, 2010 to 2013. So sure. He's done four seasons. Um, sure. um, the uh, I guess I'd like to see him stick around a little bit longer. Uh, I think the problem that a lot of people are having with, oh, my gosh, he's leaving. He barely got into it was the fact that I think that older Doctor Who fans are still locked on to the fact that uh, Tom Baker was the doctor for what, like seven years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, he's the only one who ever went that long. I know, but yeah. people no locked, seventh term. Yeah, yeah people have <laughs> locked people have locked onto that into their minds. He's and I think FDR. that they're thinking that, oh, doctors should last longer than they are. I don't, you know, to me, it's like, okay, sure. I mean, I like Matt Smith. 
Um, I agree with you, Rodrigo, that mm-hmm. I didn't like some of the directions, some of the storylines went, especially when you're bashing your audience over the head with clues. Um, <laughs> Moffat they, they li- are. Moffat likes his songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And some of the, you know, the arc word the, in that first season, the bad wolf thing where it's like, holy crap, has this been showing up all along? Yeah, That yeah. was fun. Yeah. Right. And then they did it again. And then they did it again. And then they did it twice in the same season. And it seems like that has become expected. It's yeah, kind of it's like, like uh, you don't go to an M. Night Shyamalan movie wondering what the twist is. You wonder when the twist is going to hit. Right, right. And that, <laughs> well, <laughs> If you go to an M. Night Shyamalan movie, you should be questioning something else besides True. where the, the twist, twist is. The twist is, where did you go wrong in your general it's life? It's like, <laughs> where did you go? Who, uh, <laughs> You guys are so hateful. <laughs> did you oh, ever see I'm The Last Village Airbender? Think it's 1850. Uh, it was horrible. What's his movie that Do came not. out this weekend? After was, Earth. Oh, After Earth. Yeah, yeah. Is oh, that, that the a one Shyamalan? With, uh, yes. Yeah, I didn't written. even. That's what. That was the well, twist in my life because I didn't know it was a Shyamalan movie. They, is that there's the a reason why they yeah. scrubbed his name off the movie because he's got such bad yeah. <laughs> reputation. I my can't believe they is, had that twist at the end of Avatar where it turns out they were dead all along. Yeah. Or he realized that he ruined Nickelodeon forever. Yes, yeah. that too. So so sad. Yeah, he did that. Um, oh, that was a that was, that, that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every once in a while, it's okay to veer off and attack M Night and then steer back on. Apparently, there's a sequel to Unbreakable coming out that he's already started writing. You know, what I, it's going to be called Unbreakable. <laughs> I'd be down for that. Unbreakable, I actually enjoyed Unless largely broken. Largely because of both Bruce Willis's and um Samuel L. Jackson's mm-hmm. totally over the top performances yeah, yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they were the, just they were the just having an eating contest <laughs> with the scenery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was like watching Charlotte Ray. The Broke Knight returns. I think they call it broken. That'd be That's the, stupid. But it'd be like interesting that. if they if they got Bruce Willis back. Yeah, the first movie's called Unbreakable. You can't name the second. Or, it's, movie. or if they have like his kid mm-hmm. take up the mantle well, of Unbreakable, it. I mean, been, which is like a poncho. <laughs> it's been like what fifteen years, <laughs> like an years orange years? poncho. How many years? A poncho of power. Wow, that's yes. a long time. Anyway, yeah, that's like Zach's life. So we will find out more about uh, Matt Smith leaving, uh, or I hear that they've already hired a replacement. But they are keeping it under wraps. Yeah. yeah. Um, think, well, there's. I'm um, hoping for Helen Mirren myself. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talk, and once again, uh, as they have really probably since Matt Smith came on, maybe even one prior to that, there's a lot of talk about having a black doctor, right? And there's a lot of talk about having a female doctor. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, are they finally gonna do it? No. My prediction is no. The Eccleston regeneration was intentionally hidden as kind of a surprise. Mm -hmm. Eccleston said at the beginning he was going to do a year, supposedly. So when we got to the end of that, there wasn't any chance to go, is he going to regenerate? But every time since, there's been all Mm -hmm. this discussion. I think they need three things. One, they need something different. Two, they need a companion who is the same gender as whatever gender person that they bring in with no romantic component what so mother effing ever. And they need to have more than one companion at a time so it doesn't feel like a married couple throughout the whole show. I mean, it's not a romance. Well, I don't know. It may be a romance. Yeah, I think I, I think mean, the, the doctor should team up with a Dalek and they have to work together to solve something. That was that was my uh, pitch for Clara when they I'd said that, that Clara was a Dalek. Have Clara actually be a Dalek 
with like an image inducer like Nightcrawler used here's, to have. And here's, bring back K9. Here's my here's here's my pitch for the next season of Doctor Who. So he the Doctor regenerates and he's whatever. Right. Um, let's 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 say he, what, well, what if what if he's uh, David Tennant? Oh, he's oh, that, I, I would not. You bastard. Yeah, that would be. I mean, I Scary. like David Tennant, but I'd rather not. Although they would really lock David themselves Tennant. down into like going backwards. <laughs> or anyway, or what if it's David Tennant regenerated, but it's we don't know who Matt Smith regenerates into. We just see David Tennant the next season as the Doctor, and mm-hmm. it's stories that take place before his Matt Smith regeneration. I, there I was a period of a couple hundred years there in between, like the last time we yeah. saw him and when he shows up in Mars. Mm-hmm. I don't like Stephen's idea, but I do like <laughs> the idea of David Tennant coming back and playing the role completely differently, having him regenerate into something that looks like the old Doctor. Oh, but because he, he liked that look, he liked that body. But it's a completely different character, and have let let Tennant go nuts and be Scottish. There's no, no. I mean, and I mean no offense by this. That's too nerdy. Like, <laughs> it's it's too it's too oh, like, like Stevens. It's, we're gonna no, do no, no, hang on. no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Okay, okay. I mean, no. Also, okay. that that is also nerdy. What okay. I'm saying is, it's like Legends of the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, it's like it's like that conversation of like what morphology or like what evolutionary pattern did the animals from avatar follow let's watch a movie about that it's like no let's not watch a movie about that (laughs) i mean that's fun to to talk about but that's not a movie and like going backwards and going to a new doctor but he's a different person in his head but he looks the same that's too much like people are just not gonna not gonna go for that so let's hear your great pitch then rodrigo all right my pitch for the next season of doctor who the doctor regenerates and he's like, oh, no, I'm flying around. And he goes somewhere, and there's a, a pretty girl, and she, her planet blows up, and she wants to come with him. And it's like, okay, you can come with me. And then he's flying around, and then, like, he lands on Earth in, like, the 50s, and there's, like, a whole town gets turned into zombies except for, like, one little boy. And he has to rescue the little boy, and then he's in the TARDIS. And then he flies somewhere else, and there's, like, a bunch of fish aliens get in a fight, and only one of them survives, so he takes him. So, like, I want every episode of the next season to accrue a new companion. Yeah, yeah. So where there's, like, 15 people in the TARDIS, and the Doctor is going (laughs) nuts, because he's, like, he can't just... Like, none of these people have a home. Like, they wouldn't be there. All of them wouldn't be there if there wasn't something. So, like, the first season is... The first half is... Because, you know, they usually chop the season... In half, the first half is accruing companions, and the second half is him trying to get rid of them and trying to find places for them. And sure enough, you know, he takes like the little psychic triplets that he picked up, right. and he's like, "Oh, this planet will be good for them." And then he realizes that they're actually like a really dangerous weapon given the conditions of the planet. So he has to like go back and pick them up again, you know, stuff like that. Oh, that would be pretty. Cool. Would be interesting. Yeah, we do know that That's David nice. Tennant will be back on the fiftieth uh, episode. He's the only returning Doctor. Well, he's the only returning uh, actor. Right. Um, they have been uh, all uh, dark and mysterious about whether they're returning doctors. Seven Evil Lexus. Exactly. Uh, well, you saw the, the in that, that finale for season seven, all the damn doctors appeared. Sure they did. All, all 12 of the 11 doctors appeared in that episode. So, yeah, and I'm just saying, computerization, man. You can like put a fake William Hartnell in there and have him give everybody the finger and go, yeah, ha ha. The 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 eight 
point fifth doctor yeah, Tupac yeah. Shakur. <laughs> <laughs> well, do the keep in mind there is uh, the David Tennant doctor is in another dimension with Rose. So there well, is that guy. Yeah. All right, yeah, like we will. I'm sure doctor. find out who the new doctor is. I'm going to predict by October we will know who the new doctor is. I t- I'll give you five bucks that we know by the end of next month. Five dollars American. They won't be legal tender, and I'll have drawn pictures on on them. But well, that's then I'll still be right because we'll know by October. October yeah. is not next month, you student. If I say we will know by October, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> This is like her on a technicality. <laughs> All right, everybody. You can find out these and many more stories over at Majorspoilers.com. And while you're oh. over there, check out some of the other fascinating things that we have going on, including a number of different podcasts, seven different podcasts in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network, all free for you. All you have to do is access them via the Major Spoilers Podcast Network feed. Rodrigo, what do we have in our big lineup? Of podcasts? Yes. Well, <laughs> we have, um, I don't know. I mean, I was going to have a sandwich later. <laughs> but if we're talking podcasts, uh, we have, for example, Top 5. Oh, yeah? What's it that is, show about? That show is about stuff. And then we take that stuff and put it into a list. Everybody loves And then list. largely we make fun of each other's lists. Okay, cool. <laughs> that is um, very true. We have a show called uh, Dueling Reviews, oh, which yeah. is a comic. Yep, or it's right. a comic book podcast mm-hmm. where two guys um, analyze a single issue in depth and then make yep. fun of each other. Yeah. Um, we have a podcast called Zach on Film, in which Zach watches a film and then we make fun of him. Yeah, uh, um, see where this is going. We yeah. have we have a show called um, Critical Hit. Yeah, in which um, awesome adventures are played, and in between beats of the adventure, we make fun of each other. Mostly Rob. Mostly Rob. Yeah. Um, Although Brian's dice get a lot of crap too. Yeah. Um. I'm probably missing Wayne, one. Wayne's podcast. Yeah, Wayne's Wayne, podcast. One of our first uh, external yeah. ones. Right. I think we're going to create Wayne and a, Garth in, in the basement. I think we're going to create in, a, uh, or, a reality web series mm-hmm. where podcasters can compete to be on our podcasting. Network. Yeah. I think that would work. Especially if there's like a physical aspect of it, that would yes. be hilarious. Yes. yes. Yep. I did buy a new camera. So. We should get them all to be on like Wipeout. The first yeah. person that wins a I'll wear my Iron Fist costume. <laughs> All these podcasts, part of the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Thank you for downloading and listening and being part of those listeners. If you want to get in contact with us about any of the shows, all you have to do is send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And if you want to get your name shouted out at the top of the show, all you need to do is become a $10 donor and your name, well, at least $10. Some people have donated we had one person donate $500, another wow. person donated like $723.20 because he worked out the math to say, <laughs> of all the podcasts that you've done over all the years that I've listened to, here's how much it would be if I were paying this much, much per month, and I'm just paying it in that's, one lump sum. So it's all good. Beautiful. Get your name uh, shouted out at the top of the show. Let right. us get to some reviews. Review. Now, Zach... Yes. Last yeah. week, it was the second season of Morning Glories came out, right? Yes, it started. I didn't know the first season ended, except that, you know, it just kind of had a shocking reveal. It didn't say this was the end of the season. Right. It kind yeah, of it just... Did. did it? Yeah, issue 26 well, ended with an end of season one banner, I thought. Um, Hold on. Go back in, and see. End of 26? Yes. Yeah. That'd be the, the one pre- before 27. That'd be the one before 27. End of 26 says, to be continued... Okay. In season two! 
Maybe I'm thinking of the solicitation in the preview. You might have been, because it, it felt like, because I read this, because Comixology had a sale, and I mass read this entire series in about a week and caught up before issue 26 came out. And now issue 27 came out, and it is apparently the beginning of season two, which, see, Does I, it I take I, place like five years later or something no, like that. No, it's right after issue 26. Okay. So the distinction of season two seems odd in the fact that it's just like there wasn't a huge break and the story hasn't changed at all it's just like it's season two and it's like whatever that's fine if you want to call it season two no, no skin off my back but uh the craziness continues at morning glories as uh we last saw with casey actually uh going into the past and living for a long time and be taking the identity of one of the teachers from yep. Morning Glories. Yep. Uh, Shocking. That, yes, that made me throw my iPad across the room. Uh, Don't it, throw your iPad. Yeah, I was upset. Uh, that that storyline... I bought you that iPad. <laughs> do not. And you better take care of it because you're not getting another one. You know, every time you mention anything with <laughs> Zach's mother, he starts to freak out and his eyes are <laughs> twitching. I know. You need to stop I it. I bought this with my own money. Uh, that story is really the main focus for... Uh, for a large chunk of issue 27 uh, playing out as she actually interacts with herself in high school. And we find out that she is, she sent her told herself to apply to morning glories in the timeline that was created in that, because I don't believe in the beginning of the series that, that teacher told her to go to Morning Glories. What I'm trying to get at is Morning Glories is really confusing at the moment because there's at the a moment. <laughs> have you been reading, well, yeah, okay? Have you been reading the series? It got really confusing in the last yeah. like like last arc and, and, and now it, it was confusing before that. Right. Too. But it's there's so many storylines happening right now and they're all in different time periods and in different points in separate time periods with characters interacting with older versions of characters that they might have interacted with five minutes ago in a different part of the school. And so this is one issue in series that really would benefit from a uh, previous on in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And interesting enough, this issue has it in the very back of the issue. And it summarizes a lot of mainly the entire series. And it's done in a completely like... uh, kitty art style and oh, it's yeah. wonderful that's mm-hmm. done by is that by balthazar i don't know and, uh, it never it didn't give any credits on it that i could find which was sad because it was wonderful and it looks like it's it's just drawn in like little kitties and they explain who they show all the characters are and they hint at people dying and what they all their like weird abilities they can do and it was a wonderful recap of the series up to this point it just would have been nice for it to be at the beginning of the issue uh but really, Morning Glories continues, to, I think, to be one of, uh, well, now it's one of my favorite reads because the storylines. More popular than Skull Kickers? Uh, probably. I probably like this more than Skull Kickers. Oh. More, than, more than Saga? Yeah, I actually haven't read Saga for like three issues. Mm, okay. I don't know why. More than uh, Manhattan Dexter's Project? Midnight, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's more than Dexter's Midnight Runner. Uh, more gonna, than Adventure Time? I'm going to tell Jim Zub on you. Oh, please don't. 
I like Jim. Uh, I'm going to tweet him right now. Oh. Dear Jim Zub. Dear Jim. Oh. Zach says he no longer likes skull kickers. Better Dear step it up. Step it up. <laughs> Zach is you're, a scrub. You're, Tell you're him that list. I rearranged my original art in my room, and then he might still like me. Uh, he doesn't know who I am, let's be honest. Yeah, he doesn't know where your room is either. Nope. Uh, but seriously, Morning Glories is amazing. The art is wonderful. I think it has... Is this Isma still doing the... Yeah, okay. Isma's still doing the art. I think it has like the most beautiful women in comics that I've seen. And that like... Super, they ooh, they're striking. super sexy. They're just like super unbelievably attractive, and really, even the guys, all, everyone in this book could, should be like models at like Abercrombie or something. Mm-hmm. Because that's With the exception of that one girl who should probably be in porn. I don't know. What, what she's not about. model material. Anyways, uh, it's wonderful. You should read it, but don't start here. Start at the beginning because. This would make no sense. That's a real problem just, with this series, yeah, isn't it? Is you there's have to, no really good jump. You have plate. to start at issue one, otherwise it will literally make no sense. And that's but point my, of order. It may make no sense if you start with issue one. That's true. <laughs> if you get to this point. Uh four four slices of meat though for Morning Glories number twenty seven. All right. Out last week from Image Comics. Nice. Uh, also out last week, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number twenty two from IDW Publishing. Matthew, you took Teenage a gander Mutant. at that. Ninja Turtle. I did, and I've got the song stuck in my head now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. A couple of years ago, there was a Turtles cartoon, and I think it was called Turtles Forever. There's a cur- Turtles cartoon on right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the one that I'm talking about. But it, it actually crossed over the cartoon Turtles from the 80s with the Cowabungas and the Bablangas and the old school black and white turtles and then the turtles from like the year 2000 and it put them all together and they were all like ah we are three different sets of turtles it's turtles on infinite earths and stuff and That's as cool. i was reading this issue teenage mutant ninja turtles number 22 from idw publishing i kept having flashbacks to that cartoon cuz i haven't really been fully inoculated fully indoctrinated into idw's <laughs> turtles Continuity. Don't so you should stay away from Matthew. Matthew. He's not inoculating. Yeah. <laughs> but this turtle's continuity seems to be a combination of everything that you know about the turtles. It's written partly or partly written by Kevin Eastman, the original uh, creator Eastman and Laird in Frassman. And it reminds me a lot of several different things. We start with, of course, the shredder Orokusaki being all, oh, I am evil. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And he has teamed up with this uh, fox god named Kitsune, which kind of cool. And they have their little fighty fighty and their foot soldiers. And there are bits of it that remind me of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action film. Casey and Raphael running around in the, the mean streets of Manhattan having a drink or doing whatever they do. And then there's some fighty fighty and Casey is stolen by the foot. And then there's parts of it that feel very cartoony. Donatello is trying to figure out the problem with the Technodrome. And I'm like, I know what a Technodrome is. That guy who looks like breakfast cereal runs the Technodrome. So everything in this feels very familiar. But there are some serious changes that I think are probably related to the upcoming uh, Michael Bay movie. April isn't uh, a newscaster. She's some college chick. And there are other younger characters running around. And there are some female characters other than April, which is nice. The Volkswagen van makes an appearance and there's some fighty fighty. And at the end of the issue, 
after an actually kind of clever joke where the turtles swim up to attack somebody and uh, the Shredder is like, oh, an amphibious assault, at which point Michelangelo's like, we're reptiles, dude. I love that joke. I don't know why. I keep hearing the Michelangelo Corey Feldman voice or the Donatello Corey Feldman voice in my head. But at the end of the issue, Casey Jones is literally mortally wounded. Uh, the Shredder like stabs him in the heart. And nobody realizes at first that Donatello is entirely missing. Excuse me, that Leonardo is entirely... I'm going to go from the beginning. Three, two, one. So these turtles... Anyway, Leonardo is entirely missing and has been taken by the foot. This is part one of a four-issue arc that, according to previews, promises to change the turtles' world forever. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? But it's really good. And if you're a Turtles fan... It's probably some of the best comic book turtles I've read in a while. Um, there was an image series a couple years ago, and by a couple, I mean probably 12, um, <laughs> where they did little bits and pieces here and there, and they had like the turtles as drawn by Eric Larson, and it was just all very kind of didn't really jibe for me. This is good for fans of the movies, fans of the cartoons, fans of the old school Mirage series. There's something here for everybody. It doesn't negate necessarily anything you've seen before, which is nice. And it all just kind of wraps together and creates this, the whole, the unified, the one big turtle. And it appeals to everybody, which is good because when you appeal to everybody, it's more money. So uh, I'm going to go three and a half slices of meatloaf on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 22. Uh, funny fact, 30 years ago, I probably also read uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 22. But at that point in time, I wouldn't have known all the awesome big words that I have been malabusing for the last seven minutes. So, you know, kudos on that. Yep, Matthew, you are great. Uh, let us talk about Hero Bear and the Kid. <laughs> Some of you may remember I've read that series. Um by uh, Mike Carey. Uh, it was a great series. It was a one-shot. Have you ever read that, Rodrigo? I have not. It's about a kid who uh, inherits... A well, bear. His family he inherits a, his grandfather's estate, complete mm -hmm. with a butler. And from his grandfather, he is awarded a bear and a stuffed bear and a watch. And as that first volume goes on, we find out that the bear is magical. You punch his nose and he comes to life, full-size polar bear... And uh, can talk and walk and fly, and they team up and become superheroes. And then there's a really kind of cute ending to that whole thing uh, in Why Is There Magic in This Bear? And that was a really nice series, yeah. and everybody liked it uh, so, so much that um, uh, they're bringing it back. And it's called Picture Day. It's written by Mike Kunkel, the uh, the creator. I'm sorry, I said Mike Carey earlier. Um, and it tells the story of the kid having to go to school on picture day. And he is so thinking about other things that it turns into an adventure where he and his best friend, the bear go flying off to try to stop, uh, uh whatever the guy's name is, Von, Von doom, Von Schlitz, whatever his name is <laughs> from, uh, from taking over <laughs> the, uh, robbing this ship. And it's a, it's a big adventure between these two. It's really a lot of fun. And if you remember the previous hero bear in the kid series, you are going to be, uh, very familiar with uh, this one as well. The art is fantastic. There's so much life in these individual panels, and they pack a lot of information onto a page. But uh, you could easily see this being animated in the way that it's that it's being drawn. It's all black and white except for um, Hero Bear, whose cape is red. 
And so there's just this little splash of color that runs throughout the book. Um, if you picked up the free, um, free comic book day, they had a free comic book day issue uh, that kind of introduced some of the story. But uh, Hero Bear and the Kids special number one from Kaboom Studios, a subprint of Boom Studios, is just a fun little adventure for people that want to go back and relive childhood and kids with imaginations and magic and all of that stuff. It's a really good book. It's uh, Four Slices of Meatloaf. Nice. Go check it out from uh, Boom Studios. Also out this week from Dark Horse Comics, we've, uh, Rodrigo, reviewed the first issue, Mr. X Eviction Number 2 out this week. That's right. Mr. X. That's a different one, I think. Yeah, yes. I think you're, you're thinking of Mr. Booze. Um, so Mr. X Eviction Number 2 is... The continuing story of Mr. X, who has some super secret plans, and people in the city are like, we want those plans. <laughs> um, I, again, uh, if you if you uh, listen to my last review involving Mr. X, this book is worth it on style alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I really like the way that um, that everything is put together, the way the characters talk, the way that the thing is narrated from character point of view, um, all of the extra little bits of story that are happening in the city. Um, last time, I also talked about how, like, halfway through, it's like a different issue, but mm-hmm. the story continues exactly where the last quote-unquote issue left off. Right. They do that again this time. Um, where it's same, like, same way, yeah, it's like two characters, or it's like a character gets caught listening in on something. She jumps off a roof and onto a, a significantly lower roof mm-hmm. and gets hurt. And the story ends in a cliffhanger. You flip the page, and like the story continues, but it's like set up like it's a different story. Oh, interesting, it's weird. And I wonder if this was like serialized previously but i don't think it was like i i don't, I don't think, think so I, I don't think it was it's just like a, a, a weird um like stylistic choice it's like this story is slightly different because something else is happening so i'm gonna treat it like a brand new comic i'm like all right cool that's that's what seems to be happening uh this uh the second half of the story has a very has some um Overt references to Peter Pan. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, generally, this issue does a lot of introduction and a lot of kind of follow-up on what the um, previous issue was doing. It brings two characters together that were kind of separate. Um, two, you know, two characters that were introduced previously but had no obvious connection have been brought together Um so it does that, but mostly that's what this issue does, is set stuff up. So it wasn't terribly exciting to read. It's just kind of like, exciting things are going to happen tomorrow. Right now we need to figure out who's driving which car there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, it wasn't as good as the previous one, but still has enough inertia going for it that it's pretty interesting. Um, the art is moody and weird, which I like. Matches mm-hmm. the like it generates this tone that's very cool. Um, and Just... yes, so probably all together, I'll give this one three slices of meatloaf. Okay. Um, and on uh, board for a third issue. Oh, definitely. Um, if uh, 
if Dark Horse uh, sends us another review copy, I'll be fighting off the other writers for it. Okay, fair enough. So sounds like a good deal. All right, let us take a listen to George. George uh, actually sent this in last week, and I forgot to include it. So I told him I would run it this week. Doomsday Point One from IDW Publishing. Let's take a listen to see what he thought about that. Hey, guys. So this week I wanted to talk to you about Doomsday Point One, which is written and illustrated by comics legend John Byrne. The title is a callback to his first original title, which debuted in 1975. It was called Doomsday Plus One, and it was a story about three astronauts traveling a bizarre world after a nuclear war. Doomsday Point One has a similar but less bellicose setup. A crew on the International Space Station watches in horror as a massive solar flare scorches the Earth's surface. The best parts of Burns' stories are the brief moments when those on the surface world react when they hear that the end is coming. There's a crying, praying American president, a cynical, clinical pope, and of course, the obligatory prison riot. Some of these scenes are straight up chilling. But unfortunately, most of this script is focused on the astronaut crew, made up of stock stereotypes who don't seem to act much like astronauts. I wasn't drawn to their broadness, but when they land on an ashen, destroyed Earth, I felt their sense of terror. Artistically, Byrne fully embraces an older style here, making the comic feel like a throwback to an earlier era. His visuals are dense, sometimes awkward, but still appealing. Doomsday Point One gets to the story quick, and it's an interesting, mildly compelling read. I wish the cast was a bit more focused, but the plot and pacing kept me involved enough. I give it three and a half out of five stars. It's from IDW, it's a miniseries, and it's $3.99. Check it out. Thank you so much for that, George. And um, listeners, if you want to read some more reviews from many of our writers at Major Spoilers, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Just click on that review button. There's so much more in there. And while you're over there at Major Spoilers, if you're looking to buy something, I don't know what it is. Whatever you're looking to buy, because Amazon has so many things. Click on that Amazon banner. Smart cars. Um, I don't know if they have smart cars, but you can click on that Amazon.com uh, banner. Buy, buy away. Whatever you want to buy, it's probably there at Amazon. The best thing is when you click on that button, uh, it doesn't cost you anything more, but a little bit comes our way. It helps us do more of what we do at Major Spoilers, and we appreciate everyone who's been doing that. Somebody said uh, the other day that they bought a brand new computer. They tweeted it out, said, hey, I bought a brand new computer from your link at Amazon.com. And to you, person, I say thank you. Uh, Okay, let's get to uh, some more Doctor Who news. So one would think with this announcement that there's going to be a new doctor, people would be more concerned about, ooh, how's this going to happen? And, ooh, why is this going to happen? And, oh, what's going to happen next? Instead of people bitching and moaning saying, oh, why does this have to happen? And what is this the reason? And, and oh, oh, how is this got to be happening now? You know, you must be new to Doctor Who fandom. <laughs> So uh, this the is big, the we hate everything room. Well, you you would think there are no other rooms. But uh, it does beg the question this week in our major spoilers poll of the week. Poll of the week, 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 week. Are you excited about the coming of the new Doctor, Rodrigo? Go. I am. I think that um, every every person that gets into Doctor Who has to go through this process of. Um, part like the stages of grief when yeah, it comes yeah. to the doctor <laughs> regenerating. You know, you lost you're, an arm; it regenerated yeah. into a clone. You're like, oh well, it'll be okay if like this happens, or like, no, it can't happen. It's not happening. I'm not gonna think about it, or I'm gonna jump off Doctor Who. I'm not gonna watch anymore once yeah, yeah, Matt yeah. Smith is gone because he's the greatest doctor ever. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of that going on. But if you've been watching it for 
40 years, 50 yes, years. It's certainly, if you've been watching it since it's been on, um, or if you've seen, actually sat down and watched it through several doctors, then you know that whatever doctor comes next is probably going to be at least interesting enough to continue watching. Yeah. I mean, I really liked David Tennant, mm-hmm. but I wasn't too sad to see him go, even though he's probably out of the new series. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my favorite doctor out of the three that we've seen. Um, but, you know, Matt Smith brought something new to it. Um, I, like, the first time that I saw the doctor regenerate, I was like, what? I am not going to like this. Who's this new guy? And yeah, as yeah. it turns out, it ended up being the one, the doctor that I liked the most. Mm-hmm. So, I am excited to see the new Doctor. I'm excited to see a new actor bring something new to it. I'm excited to see new stories. And I'm excited to please, for the love of God, not see the... Um, River Song. Well, certainly not River Song. <laughs> weeping Angels. The Weeping Angels again. River Song I, I think, died. I think the... Uh, I think the uh, yeah, <laughs> River Song died when we met her. Yeah, that yeah. didn't exactly. stop things. I, I think people... And this goes back to, I don't know, maybe how we are wired. But people hate change. Yeah. And so when they hear... Oh my God, there's a new doctor. People are like, no, I'm not going to like it. I don't like change. Oh. <laughs> but you're right. We've been through this so many times oh, yeah. that it yeah. shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. And so I am looking forward to who th- whoever they're going to have as the next doctor. I don't think that we're going to see John Hurt for an entire season. Um, I don't but, think we're uh, going to see John Hurt by himself at all. No, no, no. I don't think so either. But uh, I am interested to see who they're going to, who, who they're going to pick. And like I said earlier... Rumor has it that the BBC has already chosen the person, and that person may have already tweeted <clears throat> out uh, that they've been chosen. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Paris Jackson. Yes, Paris Jackson. Uh, Zach, what about you? Oh, I'm certainly looking forward to a new Doctor, mainly for the reasons you guys described, because I just like watching everyone complain on Twitter, uh. and then waiting for like, after like the first like four episodes, like, oh, well, it's not, it's not too bad. Like, I kind of like him, and then wait until they say, like, no! I don't want him to leave. Yeah, I like him exactly, so much. And then I get to watch yeah. it all over again. Yeah, it's yeah. like I get to watch Doctor Who without watching Doctor Who just by observing everyone. Mm. <laughs> well, keep that in mind, Zach, because that's very important <laughs> in knowing how your audience reacts to things. <laughs> mm. People hate change. Matthew? Well, whether it be old age or forcible regeneration by the Time Lords or poisoning by the spiders of Metabolus 3 or falling off a goddamn radio telescope or being poisoned by Sherez Jack in the mines of Adrozani or just, you know, kind of crashing to the ground because, hey, I got fired from the show or dying in a hail of bullets or disappearing somewhere into the time vortex and coming back with big ears or absorbing the entire time vortex or being killed by radiation or whatever the heck happens to the 11th Doctor. The one consistent portion of it is change and change in doctor who is always three things it's horrifying it is absolutely infuriating to everyone who's a fan for different reasons and third and most importantly it's always better for the show because the reason we regenerate the reason anybody regenerates is because the original actor was old and infirm And said, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I can't keep this up anymore. And they said, okay, we'll cast a new guy. How are we going to make this work? That's why this show is still being talked about 50 years later. Because Mm -hmm. that fresh perspective, that 11 times fresh perspective, sometimes more than that. Because, I mean, Matt Smith has had two very, very different sort of separate eras of his incarnation. I, I think that that's why this show is wonderful. and. 
once we all get used to the fact that the doctor is not going to have flippy hair and a chin that'll cut glass anymore, we'll get down to the important business of bitching about how we don't like the new guy. Until there's a new guy after that, and we'll complain that the last guy that we didn't like was the best guy ever, and start bitching about the new new guy. Did, it's did, it's the circle of life. Did you know Major Spoilers has been around longer than Matt Smith has been the doctor? No way. Really? Yeah. Awesome possum. I mean, so Matt Smith go. was... When did he become the doctor? 1977? 2010. Wow. That's like three years ago. Yep. Zach was a less. It's the seventh of my life. <laughs> so over at Major Spoilers, the question was asked, are you excited about the coming of a new doctor? And we jump into the comments section. Rico says not re- really. Um, uh, eh. Perion, or I think that's Perion. Prion. Prion says, I'm totally excited. Mela says not really. Um, Dino says, I said yes, but I just wanted to say that I thoroughly enjoyed Matt Smith. And there's nothing wrong with thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, yeah. Um, Smarking Out Adam says, not at all. Derek says, I'm just a casual Doctor Who fan, so not really. Uh, Bruce says, yes, a doctor, a new doctor is always interesting. Seems like you're jumping, well, uh, this person's just, seems like you're jumping to conclusions that John Hurt is going to be the ongoing new doctor. I don't think anybody said that. No. No, but you Um, put up a picture of him with the word yes. Yes. So that's clearly what happened. Yes, that's clearly what what happens. I'll miss the hell of Matt Smith, says Nick, and I'm excited to, for a new doctor. Although, it's really odd because in the show, they clearly say he is not the doctor. He did. He is not allowed to have the name of the doctor, right? Because of some horrible thing that, 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 uh, character did. Uh, but then right in the credits, they say, and introducing John Hurt as the doctor. And it's just like, oh, you guys can't even get your own graphics department. Correct. You can't, no, you cannot. (laughs) You always do this. People will say things flippantly and it's like a figure of speech. And you'll be like, well, that's clearly not factually true. And I'm like, I know that. Sorry. I was mean, that's not factually true. I wasn't yelling at you, you. I was yelling at you as... Did you watch the episode, Name of the Doctor? I haven't. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Matthew, how did the rest of the Major Spoilers Nation vote? 70% saying yes, they're excited for a new Doctor. 30% saying not so much, 121 votes in the bag. I think this is kind of, you know, a, a real testament to how well Matt Smith adapted to the role. When people said, oh, no, David Tennant is leaving, I'll hate whoever comes next on principle. Because David Tennant was pretty awesome. When Matt Smith stepped in, he had some pretty big shoes to fill. And they were Scottish shoes, which makes them doubly troubly. I think uh, changing the doctor is kind of like the changing of James Bond. Yeah. It's going to happen and it's going to have to happen. The, the thing is, I think that Doctor Who fans are spoiled to a certain degree because usually when the main actor leaves your show, your show ends. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that doesn't actually happen <laughs> To Doctor Who, you know, the, the, there's this idea that the show can continue despite what actually happens and really not suffer very much. I mean, you could yeah. potentially end up with somebody who's been cast, but these auditions are going to be really thorough. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a reason yeah. why Eccleston was good at this and Tennant was good at this and Smith was good at this is because there's a lot of people looking at these guys and yeah. making the best choice possible for the Come for the upcoming storylines, which I'm sure have already been, you know, uh, at least skeletonized. Yeah, but at least oh, three episodes sure. of Weeping uh, Angels right. and uh, Return of the Daleks, Part 45, right, right. Cyberman Attack, Steven. and uh, Steven. What I'm just saying. Yeah, you, I know you're saying we're hearing you. Yeah, I know. But normal, normal, normal person in London 
um, <laughs> like tangentially interacts with the doctor. Yes, weird things over, happen over to the them. course of six episodes. Right. So, um, yeah. Something interesting right. that that you know we do want to look at is the in the the first five incarnations, each got younger and younger and younger. The actor portraying it. And then they finally had to go, you know what? We need to get some grown-ups in here. Matt Smith is the youngest person to ever play the character. Right. Which makes me think that maybe it's yeah, time for a doctor. 21 or 22, I think, when he started. He was 28 like when he started, I believe. That's, that's a, lot, a lot of the comments that I've seen. Um, I think it was on Matthew's question of the week. Probably. Um, question of the day. Question of the day, I'm sorry. Poll of the um, week. Poll of the week. Question of the day. Um Officer of the hour. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, <laughs> That's Matthew's high school wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, it was Senor Bag of Crap. Um, that's a good one. In any case... I had a mask and a bag of crap. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd light it on fire. And El Diablo it. Negro. Anyway. <laughs> um, El Aso Wipo. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for that. No. I'm going to walk away now. Uh, one of the one uh, one thing that got brought up a lot is that people seem to there seems to be a, a, a big um, contingent of people who want someone older who want kind of an elder statesman doctor rather than a young hip doctor to smooch or rather to not smooch yeah, the yeah. young female companion. Yeah, yeah, who should be the doctor? Philip Seymour oh. Hoffman. <laughs> well, you know, somebody asked somebody asked me that earlier in the week, and they're like, "Oh, should they finally cast an American for the role of Doctor Who?" I'm like, "Oh, hell no! No, no there's no. like, there's no reason to." <laughs> that's, that's like saying, you know, should we? Hey, should we possibly go in and have a British guy play Rocky? Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would you know, be like it would be like if can. they cast it would be like if they cast a British guy to play Superman. Exactly. What? What? Or a British guy to play Batman? Yeah, that would be ridiculous. Like entire cast was like British. So uh, will will the like new doctor finally be a ginger? Be from New Zealand. They they do have that. Although out of all of the things that they like hint at and play with, like for them to just cast a guy because he's ginger, that would be like the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Weasley, the guy that plays Ron, Ron Weasley, Weasley. I, he running. might he might be. I mean, I'm okay with him. He's a he seems to be a decent actor. Yeah. yeah. Although, also, also apparently, with a lot of his Harry Potter money, he just bought an ice cream truck and he just like drives around his hometown <laughs> giving out free ice cream. <laughs> really? So he seems awesome <laughs> and <Wow>. eccentric. <laughs> that's awesome. So that'll work. <laughs> Is that true? I think that's true. Wow, that's awesome. All right, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can cast your vote in the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Share your comments or thoughts in the comment section because that is really, really, really important for you to do. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to this movie review and more from, or maybe it's a comic book review from uh, Cat Halo. And when we come back, we will be talking about uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. Stick around. Greetings and salutations, Major Spoilers. Cat Halo here, as I'm sure you guessed. Not a whole lot going on, really. The reportedly dreadful After Earth isn't out here until the weekend, so instead, I went to see The Purge. This is an intriguing concept let down by the movie that follows. It's 2022 and there is an annual government-sanctioned purge wherein, for 12 hours, all crimes, including murder, are permitted. Ethan Hawke, who sells security systems, and his family, you don't sell his family, he just sells his security systems. Either way, they all have to deal with the dumb actions of his phenomenally stupid kids, and now they have to survive the night. It's not that this is a particularly badly made movie. It's just that there's no really good parts to it, you know? 
The young blonde bad guy is very creepy, but that's about it. This is from Platinum Dunes, who gave us a lot of the horror remakes of late, you know, Amityville, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff. And uh, Bloomhouse Productions, who produced Paranormal Activity and Insidious. So this should have been a very clever little horror movie. And it isn't. In fact, it's not really a horror movie at all. And it doesn't really succeed as a thriller either. So, in short, there are many, many better ways of spending two hours of your life. So try them. Avoid this. On the comic side, I finally got to the end of Wrath of the First Lantern, and I quite liked it in the end. It's nowhere near as good as Sinestro Corps War or The Blackest Night, but it was definitely better than the, the First Army storyline. I am curious to see how the Green Lantern goes now that Jeff has left. His run will probably stand as one of the most influential and memorable runs in comic book history, but I'm curious now, what, in your opinion, are the most notable runs in comic history. You know, you've got Jack and Stan of Fantastic Four and all that, but what are the most influential? Not necessarily the longest, just influential. And that's pretty much me. Um, have yourselves a great week. If you have the time, take a look at the Twitter, at Catherlo Movies. I'm on there. And uh, check out the forums, because there's all kinds of cool stuff going on. And as I said, that'll do. Take care of yourselves, guys, and have a great week. Thank you for that. And listeners, if you want to be a part of Major Spoilers, all you have to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline, leave a thought, a comment, a review, a critique, anything that you want. And if it's truly awesome, even if it's a negative comment, it'll appear right there in between those two segments, like they do every week for month after month after month. And if you want to call that Major Spoilers hotline, Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939, the Major Spoilers, damn right. I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Tweaked Audio. If you uh, go over to tweakedaudio.com, they got a bunch of different uh, headphones that you can get. Headphones, earbuds, whatever you want to call them, in-ear, just regular buds, ones with microphones so you can hook them up to your phone. Really great. I've had mine for well over a year now, still going strong. I can't say that about a lot of other earphones that I've bought, especially the Apple ones that crap out after about a month. Uh, Tweaked Audio headphones sound great. They're designed to sound great for music and talk, engineered for durability, and guess what, listeners, when you check out and you use the code, what is it, Major? Major. Major at checkout, you get Spoilers. 30% off the price. Head over to tweakedaudio.com. All right, let us talk Power Man and Iron Fist Volume 1. This is Essentials Volume 1, so this is all black and white stuff. I like, you know, I will say this, I like the Essential books. I know a lot of people yeah. are like, oh, well, you're, and you really are, you're missing out on part of the comic experience because it's not in color. Mm-hmm. Right. But on the other hand, you're getting you know, 3,000 comics for like yeah. 19 bucks. This is like 20, and I have 24 been, books? Uh, something like that. I have been picking these up um, on and off through the years. I've been doing it with the old Marvel Conan. Uh, I was just talking the other day, Rodrigo, about the Doc Savage one that I picked up from mm-hmm. DC Comics uh, that reprints all the Marvel stuff. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, I, it's just there's so many of them. I mean, all the... Uh, if you want to get old Legion of Superheroes stuff, you get them in the essentials because those hardbound volumes are like 50 bucks a piece and you only get like three issues yeah. in each one. And you so like 12. you get the essentials section and you've got plenty of reading to keep you busy. And so uh, the, this, what's that? The, uh, as some of the essential books are great because you can get all of it. Yeah. The, the Omega, the unknown, the tales of the zombie, those essentials are literally every appearance of the character. So you can go and you can just buy a whole collection. You can own the whole thing, slap it in a box. It's awesome. 
So a new era of greatness begins in the 1970s when the, uh, what is it, Nightwing uh, Restorations mm-hmm. decides to hire Luke Cage and, uh, and Iron Fist. known as Iron Fist. Yep. Daniel Rand. become the heroes for hire. And thus was born one of the greatest friendships in the history of the Marvel Universe. So, uh, what'd you guys think? Rodrigo? Uh, I'm a big fan of, like, I arrived at the Heroes for Hire franchise, like, sometime in the 90s, because they mm-hmm. keep bringing oh, it up again, and right, they don't... Right. That cool it, series where they had uh, the Master of the World in it? Um, maybe. I think... I remember, like, it was like... They just the had, white, like, this rotating cast. The White Tiger and the Black yep. Knight. Oh, yep. that and, was like, big, the, it was run by uh, the original... Um, Human Torch. Human Torch, yeah. Hammond, I think. Is, yeah, yeah, cool. James Hammond, yeah. yeah. That's a so, good yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it took me a while to realize that, originally, the whole Heroes for Hire thing was Luke Cage thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've kind of like approached it backwards and really as I go farther back in time I tend to like it even more right um, Luke Cage is a really cool character mm-hmm. uh, back in the day a man sent to prison for a crime he didn't commit right and, and here's the thing I always thought that Luke Cage was a problematic character because you know it had the thing where he was a convict and he wore chains yes and he decided, or or he was put in this experiment to try and get his parole. I, I actually didn't realize until I read, oh, yeah, this, read this series yeah. mm-hmm. that he was wrongfully imprisoned. I thought, you know, yeah. maybe he, like, committed some crime. Um, and then, like, as a changed man in prison, he decided to do this. But no, you know, he was innocent. And I was like, that is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because you know we are seeing this change in in race relations in the United States, and Luke Cage is somebody who the law basically betrayed, right? And he comes back and enforces the law and tries to you know be a good person. He doesn't like like all like a lot of the villains we meet. You know he doesn't try to hurt people because he was hurt. He tries to help people because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um. What about you, Zach? I didn't enjoy this Uh-oh. that much, actually. Uh-oh. I think uh, from a lot of the stuff that we review it towards the end of the show, our big trades and stuff, we've reviewed some old stuff with Iron Man and some old Spider-Man and stuff like that. And I knew eventually we would get to something that I didn't like due to the way comics were done. Uh, back in the 70s and I think I finally hit it on this one uh, in, in what way in the fact of the constant word uh, the thought bubbles mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, yeah. the constant uh, descriptor boxes of what I'm looking at yeah uh, that for some reason just this collection of comics that one I didn't enjoy the use of those mechanics as much as I had yeah. other stuff. That's something that I've complained about before is that, you know, when you go back and it's really right around the, the late sixties, early seventies, you hit just a wall of text. Mm-hmm. In, it's Marvel. It's Marvel. Style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. When Lee and Kirby, you know, started doing books where Jack would draw it and then Stan would come back in and dialogue it. They, they got to points where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a whole bunch of, you know, cool side stuff with Hawkeye hitting on the black widow 
And by the mid seventies, especially at Marvel, it became the thing to just have boom, talk and talk and talk and throw in a reference to Sartre over here and quote Jean Paul something over there. And there's a text piece the size of a boat. So, you know, it's, a, it's definitely something that you, I, I, well, I grew up with it, so I'm used to it, but you, you definitely right. have a right. learning curve. So that was your big main. Yeah, that issue. was, I mean, that was, a, and, uh, the, uh, writing of the jive turkeys and stuff. Yeah. It was just, that was too much. <laughs> Why? Too, too many jive turkeys. Oh, cause it, that's it, a big, I mean, that's a big criticism mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. looking back, mm-hmm. people have an issue with. Right. Right. Uh, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever, ghettoizing the characters or, right. or you know, it, putting the character down in hindsight. Right. It's that same sort of, you know, that, that minstrel show mentality. Right. Where instead of having him be a laughable character, they've made him so aggressive and over the top and so hip that it's locked him down and made him laughable again in hindsight. But you also realize that there were a lot of people that used that slang no, during the time right, period. Right, right. It just felt, and then maybe I'm looking at this uh, from the era that I grew up in and looking back at this now, it just seemed like really forced in the dialogue. It's like they like had to make him, Oh yeah, and people you know, talk every, like that. Every time he's surprised, it's Christmas this. Yeah, and, Christmas. And, but you know, Christmas. you do get, you know, you get some of the bad guys going, oh, this jive turkey is, is mm-hmm. not a, is not a knocked out. I ain't, I ain't jiving you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah My, my fun. favorite line out of all of these <laughs> is definitely like, uh, oh, actually, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like Iron Fist being like, these robots are out of place in this urban ghetto. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Where are robots it's not out of place? The Iron Fist. In our urban ghetto. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, Danny. A, you, you live in a it. remodeled brownstone in yes. the <laughs> deluxe apartments. High oh, five, high five white guy wearing a yellow mask. <laughs> and a don't old, forget Iron Fist's uh, Tony Monero white suit with the black uh, big butterfly yeah. collar shirt oh, oh yeah. yeah i mean but there's some good yeah. i mean there's some good things that come out of that he and um misty knight have got a thing going on mm-hmm. right yeah. they're they're sharing some embraces which is somewhat still controversial at the time yeah. period um yeah, it's controversial now if you believe the cheerio commercials yeah what i don't <laughs> know this. long story Mo- moving oh, on long. um i asked for some 70s heroes for hire stuff because i wanted to get into some stuff that yes you can feel the 70s beat disco yep. going on mm-hmm. as you're reading this. You can see the scratchy film. You can hear the bad yeah. soundtrack warbling in and out throughout the piece. And I I dig on that. Real I really, percent. really, I really, really like that in this piece. And I think what I like more. So the biggest, the biggest problem I had, I didn't have a problem with the robots. Right. I thought that was kind of, <laughs> sure. I thought that was kind of, no, no, you know, I like, cool. I, I like the robots. The robots are cool. I, I like all of like, uh, well, continue. We'll we'll talk about. Uh, it. You know, I, I I like the robots. I I think what I've discovered, what I like most about Marvel characters, is I like the street level hero. Mm-hmm. I like the Daredevil. Yep. I like the Iron Fist. I like the Luke Cages. Yep. I like Misty and and uh, what's the other one's name? Colleen. Um, yeah, and I and I like Hawkeye. Hawkeye is a is a street level character. Right. Right. But then all of a sudden the X-Men show up and they're battling this colossal three-story guy who somehow is the living three, monolith. Yeah, the living monolith is already three stories high, but he's somehow cramped into this tiny apartment and having a conversation with everyone. <laughs> Suddenly it just takes it more up to a cosmic level sure, experience. Sure. And you've got, you know, Nightcrawler pathing in and out. And you've got Storm doing her thing. And it's just like, okay, now this is no longer fun in that part. So 
give me some street level characters that are fallible, that can be taken by surprise, right. that can be knocked out. That can be taken out by a car yeah, yeah, yeah. being thrown at them. Yeah. And I, I find I find that car is a good baseline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if your character can get a if that if the character would be taken out at least for the rest of the fight, yeah, if a car, a car was thrown at them. Then that's that level of superheroes. But with sadly, will, though, they... Luke actually gets hit by a car in this in this uh, collection. Yeah, in this collection, sure. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Oh, look, I am stronger than Detroit." And I'm like, "Oh, that's fine." Well, but he's also saying, "Hey, I leveraged that just right, so right, that right. Mm-hmm. so that you didn't get crushed." And, and I find that and... I, I find that if you if you draw that line, then like usually yeah. Power Man is right below it, and usually Spider Man is right above it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's about where your line yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. But I mean if you go up to the Hulk, you go up to Captain America. Right, right. Then suddenly eh, to me, and that's kind of what why I like this series is because it is you can get down on the streets with right. the the normal thugs and you can deal with what's the guy's name? Chunky? Chunky right. the robot. Right. Um you can <laughs> deal with that and go, okay, yes. The this in, is happening. The incinerator. Yes, this is happening in this Inc- area. Death set. And so can that's I what I like about this. Can I just say two things, Stephen? You can. Okay, first, uh, Nightcrawler bamps. And okay. secondly, I am I am on board with everything you said, except for the fact that Power Man is tremendously stronger than Captain America. Now go on. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I think, and, and here's the thing, though. In the 70s, uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, it's going to be a power well, creep thing, because from is, what I Well, it I is. Mean, well, it's not, it's not that here's what i think happened with captain america in the 70s that was the captain america because he was yeah he was a ground he was yeah yeah, a a base level superhero because the cosmic stuff was just catching on Mm -hmm. and there were superheroes doing cosmic stuff fantastic yeah you had your like adam warlocks and stuff out there zapping things right yeah um and eventually um when it became like this is what the Avengers do. The Avengers fight these giant threats, and you can't have mm-hmm. the Avengers without Captain America. Captain America got Batmanized, and yeah, the same yeah. thing that you know the Justice League brings Batman along, even though he doesn't have any powers. Yeah, yeah. And he always ends up. There's always a reason why Batman ends up saving the day, and it's kind of the same thing with Captain America, who yeah. you know is largely outclassed by any other Avenger. Almost. Did you see this yeah. cover to uh, what is it? Infinity Number Two. It's up on Major Spoilers today. It's yeah. like Captain America charging through space with spaceships all around him. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. I'm maybe out. he's on the ground. I don't know. But so, you know, maybe it is this power creep. And like you said, when he joins the Avengers and they're taking care of bigger deals, he suddenly but, becomes a bigger hero. Well, when, when but it, he doesn't have superhuman strength was my point. Right, right. Whereas Luke clearly does have some pretty impressive super. Well, by Marvel standards, maybe not. But, you know, for the I four of us. I have not seen his impressive. power sheet, so I cannot comment whether you <laughs> I have in fact or not. Seen his power sheet. Captain America is a trained gymnast able to lift approximately 1,000 pounds, whereas Luke Cage is class 10, lifting approximately 10 tons. <laughs> Sorry. I was overcome. I doubt it. Um, anyway, spirit of whatever the hell. So what's what is good about Lois this? Lane, what, is, what is good Lane. about this uh, series, Matthew? About this collection? The thing that I love about this collection, well, and the the big problems that uh, Zach pointed out, I think, are exacerbated by the fact that in the seventies, comics didn't necessarily arc the way they do right, today. Right. So these twenty four issues aren't a twenty four issue arc. Each issue is set up explanation denouement and luke cage saying all christmas and meeting a girl 
So there is there's a point where Chris Claremont is writing and he's like, I'm being all Claremont, Claremont, Claremont. And then it's Joe Duffy. And it's like, oh, my God, there's no more Claremont. There's there's a point where the change in writer becomes very, very obvious. And the thing for me that really sells this series is this was Marvel's lower tier book. This is where you cut your teeth. This is where. Chris Claremont starts. This is mm-hmm. where John Byrne starts. You get, there's an issue in here that I love. I've always loved this issue. Number 51, because it's Mike Zek inked by Ernie Chan. And I have always loved Ernie Chan. And of course, Mike Zek later becomes Marvel's cover guy. He did that Punisher miniseries and he did Captain America covers for decades. So this is, this is kind of where people cut their teeth in comics but other than historically speaking i like the fact that this book has a cast that celebrates diversity before there was such thing as celebrating diversity because iron fist is a a rich caucasian boy who was raised in you know in tibet in in a world where tibet space tibet (laughs) right he's he was raised in space tibet in a world that is for all intents and purposes, comic book Eastern mysticism. I won't say that it's any in any way realistic of any of the Asian countries, but it was an attempt to try and, you know, accept that, an attempt to say, this exists. There is something that is not New York City. And Luke Cage comes from Harlem and had a rough background and grew up and did these things, but came back to his neighborhood. And was man do- enough to wear a tiara. Yeah, oh, yeah. Damn right! You're gonna <laughs> tell him it looks. Man, Ooh. I love, I love Luke yeah. Cage's look, like the, the tiara, the, the yellow the shirt, tiara. the jeans, the awesome. disco you, uh, shirt, and yeah. the, the corsair boots. That is classic. That is a wonderful costume. And this is the thing: there are some pretty questionable issues of Power Man and Iron Fist. Nobody, nobody can screw up that costume. Now there are guys in here who can't draw Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. And his yeah, mask yeah. changes and his, yeah. his big disco his collar, collar changes. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck is that? But nobody can mess up Luke because Luke's look is so awesome and so timeless. But you ever watch uh, Superhero Squad? No. Um, it's pretty funny. It's kind of like the yeah, child eyes. And there's one episode where they're like, uh, one of the, this little girl gets a power crystal and she's wearing a tiara and she's hey Luke you got a tiara just like you he's like this is not a tiara <laughs> they go back and forth for a couple of minutes on on it's That's not a tiara it's it's my headband so, I love I love the headband I love everything about this book because well a I'm kind of that guy who goes oh it's not popular maybe I should really get into it and tell everybody how wonderful it is but well, also this is like this is the thing that happens below the the level of awesomeness in the Marvel universe. The the secondary characters who show up in here like Thunderbolt and El Aguila, all of these guys are this is something that makes me mad actually. When people say these are third tier heroes, okay, maybe so. And guys like El Aguila and guys like Thunderbolt are way below third tier, but they are still awesome. And the, there's an issue in here where we find out that Thunderbolt is dying from his powers. And later on, he dies. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. He dies. They they let this character just bleh, 
And there is no Thunderbolt revival. There is nobody going, hey, we should. The Thunderbolt revival is my new band, by the way. Mm. But these things are allowed to happen and they're allowed to take place in stories that even by 70s standards don't have to have the huge giant consequences. You have characters doing things that are heroic on a human scale. Luke Cage is a guy who, you know, lives above a theater and punches people really hard when they need to be punched. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool. That's neat to just take that, that perspective. He doesn't necessarily need to go to outer space, although he does go to space Tibet now and then because his best friend is from space Tibet. You know, they're allowed to visit. It goes back and forth on really weird extremes, but in the 70s, there weren't any comics like this. Oh, no. I mean, there's no comic like Luke Cage and uh, <laughs> yeah. Iron Fist are beating up some robots in someone's house, and the police show up and go, hey, they just came in and started tearing up the joint. Oh, let's throw them in the car. Officer so-and-so. Quiet, boys. I'm hey, we're getting out of here before anyone knows what's going on, because we got a problem with robots. Gangster robots. just reading that. I'm like, this is awesome. It is. And here's here's what I really like about this. It's like, okay, so the Marvel Universe is full of guys that eat planets and people that Mm -hmm. just travel to micro universes and bring back space aliens and all this kind of crazy stuff, right? Right. And the great thing about this comic is that you can see that that exists at every level of the Marvel Universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Power Man and Iron Fist don't have an absorbocron right. to to tell them what is happening all over the world. They have a beeper right. that, so, that a guy who hired them is like, someone's breaking into my bank. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they show up and beat him up because there's a guy who is like on fire sometimes doing it, right? Yes. He's wearing a robot fire suit. It's like <laughs> so it's like the same story, right? Except it's not a it's not a living volcano that's destroying met- like the entirety of the eastern seaboard. It's yeah. like a guy in a fire suit yeah, yeah. <laughs> robbing, a robbing, bank. A, robbing a bank. And it's like the two guys, one of whom can make his fist as onto iron, and another one whose fists are always as onto iron, <laughs> beat him up. <laughs> yeah. What I love is that the moment that just really sells it for me is one of the issues opens with this street gang trying to roll an old man. And out of the shadows walks Luke Cage in his big yellow disco shirt and tiara. And they're all like, oh, no, we, we don't listen to you. And this guy comes up and starts hacking at him like it's, an, like it's a street gang movie, like it's the Warriors, hacking at him with his little uh, switch knife. And Luke is just kind of standing there. And in a way, it's, it's like his Batman moment mm-hmm. because this kid is just hacking and hacking and hacking. And finally, Cage is like, you having fun? Yeah, yeah, and the kid realizes that he's he's broken his knife on Luke Cage's chest. I'm like, that right there, that perspective is what sells it for me. I don't know how realistic this is to New York in the 70s because I'm gonna tell you the truth. All I know about New York in the 70s, I learned from Howard the Duck. Mm. But this Taxi setting, driver. this imaginary, yeah, this imaginary kind of dirty horrible (laughs) kind of yeah yeah, this this 70s scorsese movie new york is a character in power man and iron fist yeah and it's i mean it's wonderful to have these characters who are tied up in all this superhero mishmash but you know if, if they were played by mr t and you know jackie chan in a wig 
it would still kind of play similarly. It's it, they're fun characters. They have fun. They have lives. Sometimes even they can't believe how ridiculous their lives become, mm-hmm. which I think helps a lot. But then you'll have a moment where they're like, they'll fight somebody on the streets of Harlem and next issue, a giant dragon attacks from Kunlun and they have to travel through space and time yeah, and yeah. put put a tiger's head back on or something. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. I mean, there's yeah. some weird stuff in there too. I mean, the robots, I mean, I really got a kick out of that story where it's like yeah. all these robot thugs and then they go and they meet Chunky and mm-hmm. this woman that's in love with him is his mistress or whoever and then- Later, they come back and they're fighting even stronger robot men. And then right. finally, <laughs> it was, I think, it, is it Luke that punches uh, Chunky finally and breaks him into a million pieces? Yeah. And then she's yeah. like, oh, and you realize that she's the mastermind right. behind everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it, by the really way, cool. is Deadly Nightshade, and we've met her before. You remember in Captain America, mm-hmm. when we read that Captain America arc, there was the girl with uh, the puffy hair and the bikini? Sure. Okay. Yeah. And in the, in the Nomad, you'll be there. We've met her before. Okay. I'm tying this together. Um, when we talk I about this, street level stuff, when we, when we look at had the Doctor Who past each in it, though. Um, when we look at, uh, you know, what Luke Cage and Iron Fist have done, Luke Cage goes on eventually and, and forms his own Avengers team, right? Or he heads up the Avengers at some he point. Heads up, he heads up the, the new Avengers. Okay. For a so while. we are now being teased by Marvel on who is Mighty. And they've got this, it's just a teaser of Mighty, and then they've got this grid of, of pictures. Two images have been revealed already. One of them is Spider-Man. Uh, the other one looks to me, I'm guessing, Iron Fist, just because it's got a fist and it's mm-hmm. yellow. And it's, yeah, it's kind of greeny yellow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've got one, two, three, four, and by the, probably by the end of the week we'll have, and I'm mm-hmm. guessing this is Mighty Avengers. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. hoping it's the Mighty Heroes for Hire. It could be that, but... Uh, you know, Mighty Avengers, a street level gang. Maybe we're going to get Daredevil in here. I think you think, you cool. think that That'd yellow cool. fist could actually be Power Man? I don't know if it could be Power Man. I say Iron. I Because Iron, Iron fist. fist has a symbol, yeah, and it's yeah. like that skinny dragon thing in his chest. Okay, could be yeah. Power Man too. That's don't the know. source of all his powers. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, he hugged uh, the dragon really hard, and that dragon lit his chest on fire. I'm excited about uh, seeing what what develops that, especially. Knowing what we know now from from this book, mm-hmm. I guess my biggest complaint, going back to some complaints that uh, Zach had, and it's just a problem with these essentials, is that they are in black and white. Yeah, and so you're missing out on the color, which I think is important. Yeah, because yeah. I can just imagine. I mean, Matthew. I mean, we're all talking about you know the green and yellow Iron Fist right, suit right, and the right, Luke Cage right, blue right. and yellow. Well, that's because we know what those characters look like. For Very all I true. know. You know, um, we we probably just ruined it for someone who had been reading this and like was <laughs> oh, picturing man. like really muted, like him wearing like a light blue shirt, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And you yeah. know, just like dark gray jeans or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. It's like, nope. Um, but the other problem with this collection is the pages are. I mean, we're basically looking at a phone book. The pages are so yeah. thin, thin that you yeah. you tear things very very easily. Yeah. The, well, and that, I think that's part of the price point. Is that yeah. The, yeah. Well, I mean, and I forget what the price point is on this. Most of the essentials uh, are between seven ninety five and nineteen ninety five, depending on what the property is and who's publishing it. Yeah, and that's and the thing is fourteen oh six from Amazon. You can click on the Amazon dot com link over majorspoilers dot com. Yes. Well, and if you own the original issues, you know that the comics were actually printed on crappy paper too. So, circle. <laughs> One thing that I think does need to be addressed, and someone brought this up in the comments, was that uh, Luke Cage is often perceived in his seventies incarnation to be a very racist character. In that 
he is a negative, you know, a negative portrayal of it. But is that because of what uh, Zach's concern was of saying, you know, all the characters saying jive turkey and shut your mouth and all that stuff? That's the 70s. That's just, you know, that's just the nomenclature. Mm -hmm. Those are what we like to refer to as, you know, topical references. Luke Cage, to me, is actually the exact opposite of what's being described because there's there's a very important moment for me in it's actually in a much later issue uh, of Power Man and Iron Fist where Luke Cage shows up, crashes through a door, sticks his finger in a guy's face and yells at him. And the guy stays cool. And Luke is like, yeah, well, you'll you'll screw up soon enough. Comes out, slams the door behind him. And as he's walking down the steps, we see Luke's thought balloon. And he's like, well, my loud, angry black man act didn't work. Time for plan B. There's a, there's a real sense in this that Luke Cage is a very smart, very shrewd player. And he, you know, he has this persona that he plays, but there are, even throughout these issues, there are little bits where it's like Luke has a persona. This is his, he puts on the suit, he puts on the tiara, he starts saying sweet Christmas, and it's all part of his, you know, his functionality as, as a character. And when you actually read it with that expectation, it's kind of weird, and it's easier to do now, now that Bendis, you know, explicitly said this in recent decades and has played it out in the book. But if you read it from that perspective of this is the way people expect me to act. So this is how I act publicly from Luke, especially, although a little bit more from Iron Fist, too, in later issues. It's fascinating to see this and see how much the expectation of interrelations between the races has not changed in 40 years, but in a good way. There's never really an issue where somebody comes up and there's a fight between Power Man and Iron Fist because Iron Fist is from space Tibet and Power Man is from Harlem. Right. There's never a moment that says, gosh, we sure are great friends, even though we have different pigmentations. Right. Right. And which, there, which you do see in other comics in the seventies yeah. and sixties. I mean, you know the like um i mean not to not to certainly not to bash the um like the fourth world stuff but a lot of the stuff that happened like on earth had like some really tense language yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know about race relations and stuff and it felt very like going back and reading it it feels like very forced and very strained and you can read that yeah. as you know a white guy really trying to address these issues and not really doing it properly i think yeah. back then he was i think back then it was helping <laughs> Back, you know, yeah, back, but, back then, yeah. it was it was probably the best they had. Right, right. right. But mean, isn't that the problem? Isn't that the problem we have with just looking back on anything? Remember, at one point in the '90s, everyone thought that what was coming out of Image Comics with Rob Liefeld and everything was just like awesomes right, with a Z right. at the end of it and <laughs> and everything. And then in hindsight, everyone's also with like, a Z in front of it, it was yeah, awesomes. Awesome. <laughs> but now in hindsight, everyone's like, yeah, that stuff was not well, so great. And, and and that's the thing is, some of that stuff was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, some, some of that of was, stuff sure. has stuck. Some of the stuff that was coming out of Mar- like before those guys left Marvel, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that they did that they were getting screwed over for right. is stuff that we still see today. Spider-Man's mm-hmm. costume is the costume that um, McFarlane, McFarlane yeah. Um, yeah. designed, mm-hmm. and it still is with the giant Cable. eyeballs. Yeah. Yep. Deadpool yeah. and all, I mean, all of that schmuckery. And to some degree, when, when, when you look at that, you can actually roll it in and you can say, yes, that was the mode of expectation. But even in that case, there's stuff that goes above and beyond and i think that the depth of character in power man and iron fist 
by not, you know, I, I guess by not making it a big deal, yeah. they kind of made it a big deal. Yeah. It, and that's, I mean, it's fascinating. I, I agree. I mean, I was going into this expecting, you know, at, you, at worst. You are black and I am white yeah. from space to bet. I wonder uh -huh. how we will get along. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, or, or, you know, that kind of like, oh, Iron Fist is here. We're going to try very hard to make him seem like he's totally cool and black people <laughs> love him, you know? And there kind of isn't a lot of that. No, 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 I mean, no. people are like, oh, it's Iron Fist. Like, this is a guy dressed like a superhero, so they treat him, treat him like a guy dressed like a superhero when they're not trying to kill him. Right, right. You yeah. know? Uh, like, this book just kind of rolls over all of that. Um, uh, Luke Cage has a way that he talks. Um, Iron Fist, that's the way that he way talks. Talk. Yeah, exactly. Um, Misty and Colleen, they all have kind of like the mm -hmm. things that they do. And it mm -hmm. never, to me, it never felt like, look at how cool we are. We are saying these things. Like maybe Luke sometimes approaches that, but you also yeah. get the most dialogue out of Luke. He's the main character and he's yeah. black. You yeah. know, I mean, like yeah. this is a he's, protagonist character I, in his own he's, show. He's the hinge too, because he's the one who knew misty and he's the one who interrupted you know and, and interrupted the whole thing it's his story that yeah, starts he basically this he basically hires iron fist yeah, yeah, yeah. to yeah. be part of his agency well and but uh, misty and colleen hire yeah. uh luke cage misty, right, right. misty hires yeah, luke you know, when originally <laughs> well yeah originally when when i said matthew i want to read some 70 zero for hire i figured that we were going to have some luke cage and iron fist but i was really hoping to see more of misty knight yeah and and nighthawk uh, restorations nightwing. and our nightwing uh, restorations how can um, you of all people not remember Nightwing? because uh, i'm thinking of that uh, other great uh, television series from uh what was it 1980s nighthawk airwolf airwolf <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just, I, and I can, can, I just, would you guys want to see a heroes for hire movie? Absolutely. Would that yes. be something for Marvel? Oh, I mean, could cool. you just see yes. like somebody who's in trouble just running down the street from and their pursuers, picking up the, picking up the phone and dialing a number off of a card. And then you just see these women's lips with a little microphone mm -hmm. heroes for hire. Stand by, we'll be right there. Here's a great thing too. I was really hoping is, are there any, so real quick, are there any. Nightwing restoration stories. Yes. Was there anything that was yeah. just those two doing stuff? Yes. Yeah, I think for a while they were going by Daughters of the Dragon, wasn't weren't they? They had well, and recently in about '06 they had their own limited series. But there is a notorious issue of Marvel preview that is a solo story of uh, the Daughters of the Dragon uh, Nightwing restorations that has some. Because it's a black and white Marvel book, it has some really weird stuff, and it has bits about heroin addiction, and it has several panels where um, Colleen just takes her clothes off and sits down and starts meditating, and it's a '70s Marvel magazine. I remember this because she was naked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but is story, it a good story? Oh God, yes! It's I, I want to read that. I want to read that. I want to try to get my hands on that. I'll see if I can dig one up. It's like Marvel Preview number twenty. Seven, maybe it's got the okay. cover says lethal ladies. It's got black widow. On yeah. The Cause I want to, I want to read something about them. Cause I, right, I just, right. I think that that's fascinating, you know, that they're really the, their bosses and, yeah, and yeah, drive yeah. a lot of, of what's going on with this story from, from so from that point, I'm very interested in that. So sorry, Rodrigo, you were going to say something Oh, uh, about the potential for an, for a uh, heroes for hire movie. movie. Sure. It's great. Now that Disney owns Marvel, you can actually have like daredevil with a little loot Singing a song while, um, um, 
Luke Cage and Danny Rand are like running through the streets. Iron Fist and, and Power Man. Power Man and Iron Fist running through the, Fist, running through <laughs> the, the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> Punching all the bad guys. One's got an Iron Fist. The, the really <laughs> so the really great part about this, though, is the moments where they'll be walking around in costume for no reason. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. They're on like West 42nd Street and it's four in the afternoon and one of them is dressed like Disco well, Elvis and the other one is dressed like Bruce Lee's fire sale. Well, and nobody nobody says anything. No one mentions it. The, the great thing is like the contrast with Misty and Colleen because they mm-hmm. don't wear costumes. No, no, no. So it's like they split up and it's like Luke Cage goes over here and yeah, he looks crazy times. <laughs> but then, like Misty and and Iron and Iron Fist go off over there, and it's like she looks perfectly normal, right, and right. he looks like a ninja turtle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I mean, there's things the 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 sequence where um, she's undercover as a prostitute. Yeah, she gets thrown in the mm-hmm. car with Luke, and then they go off the cliff. It's like, oh, that's perfect. You know, costuming from that character. I want to know more about that story of what she's doing. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff oh, that I want to read. So, yeah. um. Zach, you you say no on this on this book? Yeah, I I mean the robots thing was cool, and there's some cool stories and bits and characters and cool like fighting bits, but just the amount of words you have to get through and the manner of the words mm-hmm. and the thought balloons and the descriptions, it was just too much for me. This Are time. you at all interested in reading any other uh, Iron Fist and Power Man stories? Yeah, I think they're I think they're like cool. more modern. Yeah, I I would like to see them. OMG, too. read the Seven Capital Cities of Heaven. Seven Capital Cities of Heaven. That's a good one. And if you want to read a good Iron Fist story, what was that? <laughs> what was that series uh, that came out? Oh, Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah. Was Immortal, it just Immortal, 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 Immortal Iron, Iron Fist? Fist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, actually, that's Capital Cities. That's what he. Yeah, oh, that's what is that what it is? About, oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. We should actually read that as a TPB review. We have. Have we? Yeah, yeah. We well, reviewed it. We reviewed it a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Fraction, the guy who's doing Hawkeye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rodrigo, what do you say on this? I enjoyed it. I think that Zach is right in the sense that a lot of the time, the words are fighting the story. You're looking mm-hmm. at a big action sequence, and there's a lot of text to get through. It actually slows things down. Yeah. Um, I find in those times, just flip and if, just read the if, action. Yeah. If you don't read that stuff, you're not actually missing anything. Yeah. And, and, you, can just, and you can do that. And go back and read it, because, you know, it's it's interesting it's well put sometimes but there is a lot of cool stuff here we are looking at a comic that came out in the 70s that has two like a black lady and an asian lady Mm -hmm. as the bosses and then like a black guy as the main character going around doing cool things with his white friend which is like the opposite of what you usually see Yeah, yeah. yeah um and it's all interesting and weird and really goofy at times but, but it never brings but it, that it's printed in black and white yeah but it never it never ah, breaks character ah. yeah 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 i i enjoyed this i mean i wanted to get a i want to get a fill of 70s stuff mm-hmm. and so this this satisfied part of it so yeah i think it's fun and i think it's worth picking up and, and checking out matthew what about you when it comes to Power Man and Iron Fist, Rodrigo hit it on the head. It is goofy. It's endearingly goofy. And it's wonderful to just sit and read it because you're not going to have a massive crossover where half your story is in the Defenders. You're not going to have a moment where, you know, Kirby shows up for an issue. It's something where 
it's it's consistent in and of itself and i can definitely see the problem with well an overarching problem with 70s comics the bronze age of comics basically is what zach is saying was wrong with this book and he is 100 percent correct there is absolutely nothing that zach said that is not true about these issues but it's kind of like when we go and we watch a movie from the 1950s on Zach on film, there's a different expectation, a different construction and a different thought process that goes into it. So maybe you have that 20 minute scene that could have been cut much better. The equivalent of that are those fight sequences where there's sweet Christmases everywhere and five bit, you know, five and a half pages of dialogue in a moment where Iron Fist is leaping through the air. He talks really fast. But it's endearing to me. It's really wonderful to see this. And it was doing something that was remarkable wholly for not being remarkable. Historically Mm -hmm, speaking, mm -hmm. I think that this book is remembered more for what it represents. Because it represents a character, actually two characters, that were born out of just sort of a fad. Luke Cage came out of, you know, black exploitation movies and your Dolomites and your Black Belt Jones. And Iron Fist came out of, you know, your Chopsaki Kung Fu flicks that came out in the 70s. And their titles were kind of flagging by 1977. And so they put them together and they put the chocolate around the peanut butter and the book ran for another 10 years. Yeah, what is that, 83 or 85, something like 84, that? 84, 85, yeah. The book outlasted the crazes that created the characters by like a decade it's you know it's something where they had no idea what the alchemical magic of power man and iron fist was and to be honest they still don't because if you've read in the new avengers with them in it there are still those moments where you're just like yeah these guys are freaking awesome but it's kind of that lightning in a bottle effect where nobody knows why it's awesome but I'm telling you right now, it is. It's not a rush right out in a buying frenzy. Well, but I mean, I'm, if you're looking to, you know, one of the things for me in summertime is here. Yeah. When I was Zach's mm-hmm. age and the only job that I had during the summer was. Um, painting fences. At, no, not painting fences. Working at the radio station. He was conning and, other uh, people into painting fences <laughs> for him. And, and working, I don't know. A couple, of hours, a couple hours a day up at the university. Uh, and then at night at the radio station on weekends. I had whole patches of the day where nothing was going on mm-hmm. and I would go down to the comic book store and I was just buying huge trade paperbacks. I mean, that's where I first started reading X-Men, uh, Watchmen, um, anything with men. Other men. Yeah. Um, and so I'd buy these Captain and the America bigger, men. the bigger, the volume, the better. So if it had 800 pages, I didn't care what it was about. I'm going to buy it because I needed something to read here. You have, I don't know how many pages Zach is in this thing. 405 oh. Oh. million and 62 pages. I'm, I mean, if you're infinity. looking for something to read, pick this up, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I don't, I don't see what's wrong with that. Now I did say that, uh, this whetted my, uh, whetted my appetite for, 70s era Marvel comics. Next week, more 70s era Marvel comics oh, with boy. the hands of Shang-Chi, what? master of Kung Fu. It oh, ought to be interesting. Oh, It ought to be interesting. Paul Galassi. We are going to check it out next time Doug on the Major Holmes. Spoilers podcast. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. 
Visit Major Spoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Fabulous revision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just buzz through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the would deal with all those tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I bag and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. What I really even need to keep up on all those escapades. I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a gangster throwing soldier. Spoilers is copyright 2013.